Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But notice in verse 3, that's really where we need to pick up. We kind of started this last week. But he says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write you concerning our common uh, salvation. Jude really wanted to write to them about the sweetness of of the gospel, of what Jesus did. He wanted to kind of fill in those things and, and, and encourage some of the things that they have already known. But notice, he found it necessary, notice it was necessary to write to you exhorting them to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Jude speaks of our common salvation as Christians. Our salvation isn't common in a sense that it is cheap or that everyone has it. It is common in the sense that we are saved in common. God doesn't have one way for the rich and another way for the poor, or one way for the good and another way for the bad. We all come to God the same way. If it isn't a common salvation, it isn't God's salvation, and it isn't salvation at all. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's study. So I want to get right into this because there's a lot, believe it or not, in in this letter that Jude was writing to the church in general back in the first century. Last week, I think we pretty well established that the author of this letter is Jude, none other than one of Jesus's half-brothers. We know that James also was a half-brother of Jesus, and don't confuse him with James and John. James and John were brothers from the son, they were sons of Zebedee, but James, Jesus's half-brother, was the leader in the church, and you can see that in in Acts chapter 12 and 15, you'll see James the Lord's brother, being pretty much the, uh, the leader, if you will, in the church at Jerusalem after Jesus' resurrection. And it's interesting that Jude and James didn't come to faith until after the resurrection. We know that John chapter 7 records for us that while Jesus was ministering, his own brothers, his own family, they didn't believe in him. And it wasn't until after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after the ascension, that his brothers finally realized the light bulb goes off and they realize this is who this is the Messiah this is who Jesus claimed he, he was and, and and no doubt they searched their their own history with him and they started putting pieces together and they're like you know what this is the real thing this is really what the prophets have been foretelling for thousands of years this is this is him 
This is him. So we, we, we well established that fact. And so we didn't, don't need to go over that. But let me read. And then we're going to look at verses 3. And hopefully down through 11 we'll see how far we get. But this is really a, an important section. Especially the verses 3 and 4. Um, so let's just take a look at the, the, the letter. Uh, just up to verse 11. It says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Christ Jesus. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And notice Jude knows his audience, who he's speaking to. He says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend. Here's our, our verse for the day, really. Contending earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And why? For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who would not believe. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he, God, has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. There's a spooky verse for you. As Sodom and Gomorrah, notice he relates it, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after, this is a wonderful word, phrase, strange flesh. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? All of a sudden the key changes to minor. (laughs) Actually, it was a minor key when we first started. But anyway... And are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Notice, eternal fire. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh. They reject authority, and they speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them! For they have gone in the way of Cain. They've run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. And so I don't know if we're going to get all the way to verse 11 today. My hope is that we can, but uh, let's just see what happens here. But notice in verse 3, that's really where we need to pick up. We kind of started this last week, but he says, Beloved, I was very diligent to write you concerning our common uh, salvation. Jude really wanted to write to them about the sweetness of of the gospel, of what Jesus did. He wanted to kind of fill in those things and, and, and encourage some of the things that they have already known. But notice, he found it necessary, notice it was necessary to write to you, exhorting them to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Now this word contend, we have to look at a few words here because in our English um, we have, uh, sometimes we can understand pretty clearly what it means, but there are certain words that have a greater depth in the original Greek in which this was written. So the word contend there literally means to struggle, to struggle for. It's It's a Greek word. Uh, and I'm not going to try and pr- pronounce it. Uh, actually, I'll give it a shot. Epagonizomai. If my mother-in-law were here, uh, Kathy's mother, as you know, she's completely 100%, she's 110% Greek. And I remember when we, oh, over on Christmas break, I went to her with some of these Greek words, and I says, how do you pronounce this? 
And she would rattle it off, and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Can I just record you saying that? And then you can, I'll just play the tape for everybody. But yeah, so she knows how to pronounce these things, and she does it in such a, a nice Mediterranean way. Anyway, I, I transgress. So, or transgress? Maybe. I, I, whatever. Whatever the word is, I don't know what it is. I digress, that's what it is. But this word actually comes from two Greek words, the root words, and they, it's no surprise to us. They literally mean to compete for a prize, to contend with an adversary. And it's where we get our word agony, agonizo mei, mei. That's, that's where we get the word from. It's contending, struggling with difficulties and dangers, endeavoring with strength to strive for something. It's like what you see in the Olympic Games. When, uh, when Michael Phelps gets in the pool and all those other guys are in the pool and he's way ahead of them, they're trying to contend with him, but they're going to lose. <laughs> so that's what contending means. But just like Jude is encouraging the believers of his day to contend for the faith, we need to as well. And we live in very wicked times. And just as, as Jude was writing to them, I believe even more so we need to be contending for the faith. Contending for the faith. Striving, struggling if necessary. You know, not, not just laying down our arms in a sense. I mean, God doesn't win a battle with guns and, and swords. Today the battle is spiritual. But a lot of times we can be asleep and we lay down our armaments, our spiritual armaments. We lay down the word of God. We no longer read it. We no longer talk about it. And therefore, we lay down our armaments, and we're going to lose the battle if we do. And so we need to contend earnestly for the faith. And the world will call you a hater if you contend for the faith. But if you love, you will tell the truth in love. Isn't the truth the greatest thing you can tell somebody? And isn't it true also that sometimes the truth is the hardest thing to share? Because sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes I need to hear the truth, and it hurts me, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Isn't that what it says in Proverbs? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I need a friend to tell me the truth. I don't need a friend to lie to me. They prove then that they are not really a friend, but a real friend will tell me the truth even if it hurts me for a season. And that's what we need to be about. It's been said that the first casualty in any war is truth. The first casualty in any war is truth. And they hated Jesus for the truth. And guess what, folks? They're going to hate you for it, too. But does that mean that we hate them in return? Does it mean that we get angry with people? I sometimes get angry. I'll be honest with you. But we have to respond in love. We have to respond in love. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love, it's agape. It's that self-sacrificing love that we need to grow in. Every single one of us, we need to grow in this love of God. But the world, they, it hated Jesus. Jesus even said in John 15, beginning in verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my word, they will keep yours also. So let me ask you this morning, are you willing to stand up and contend for the faith? Are you willing to stand up and contend for the faith? Are you willing to be a fool for Christ's sake, as Paul would exhort those in Corinthians? Would you, are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Are you willing to look like, like you don't have it all together? Are you willing to be looked at as, as some kind of fool 
Because you believe in this thing called Jesus. You believe in this one. You believe in this Bible. Are you serious? Are you, you guys believe in that antiquated book? It's been handed down from centuries. You know, centuries upon centuries. It's been handed down by oral tradition. So filled with so many errors. Is that the truth? No, quite the opposite, actually. Most of it's by eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. Okay, so I don't want to digress there. Transgress there. I don't want to transgress there, and I also don't want to digress there. But are you willing to stand on what the Bible says all by itself, even if you don't have any other quotes from other godly men or women or even any other great Christian authors or great Christian worship leaders? Are you willing to stand alone on the Word of God in your hand toward anything that comes your way? Because that's what you need to do. You need to be able to stand on the Word of God alone with nothing else. And don't be afraid to stand alone on the Word of God and nothing else. Nothing else. You don't need it. We add it, and it's good, because sometimes there's nothing wrong with filling in the blanks for people. You know, when talking about evolution, it's good to be able to talk about those things, if you can. Many of us aren't scientists, and we really can't speak that technically to certain things, and that's okay. God doesn't, you know, you you learn what you can, and you share what you know. But by all means, share. Don't think to yourself, well, because I don't know enough, I can't share. No, if you wait for that day, you'll never contend for the faith. You'll never contend for the faith if you wait. Share what you do know. And the greatest example of what God has done is your life changed. Do you understand that? Because you, like, Paul, like Peter would say, you are a living epistle. You are a living letter. You are alive and you are a, 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 a physical person who has been changed by the grace of God. You know people who look at you now, who used to know you in the past, and are like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Praise the Lord for that. My family doesn't know this this Rob now. I think sometimes they might want to to see the old Rob. Maybe not, but you're a new creature in Christ. All things, old things have become forgotten about. Behold, all things are new. But what has happened to the Christian church that we are no longer willing to speak up and call what is good, good, and what is evil, evil? Are you afraid of being called a hater or a fundamentalist? Are you afraid of being called narrow and stringent? Let them call you whatever they want, because they're going to call you those names anyway. They're going to call you those things anyway. You might as well be biblical and love them to their shame. right? You love them. You don't respond back in like manner. You love them. You love them the best you can. Sometimes it's best just to turn your back and walk away if you find anger rising up in you. But you know what? Love people. You know, Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. And he was prophesying 700 years before Christ was born in the flesh. He said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Boy, do we live in those days. Because everything now is calling what is good evil, and what is evil is good. Is that, tr- is that not the truth? I think we can all attest to that. All you have to do is read the headlines of the news. And unfortunately, the United Methodist Church this month month has partially fulfilled this prophecy. I don't know if you heard about this, but the church has split over the topic of gay ministers and same-sex marriages. They have embraced the LGBTQ community, and not not only are they no longer contending for the faith, but they have embraced darkness. They are allowing gay ministers in the pulpit and also performing same-sex marriages. Shame on them. 
Shame on them. Why would you even call yourself a church and embrace those things? You'd better close your doors. Do something else. Set up a, make some kind of retail clothing store. Do something else, anything, but get out of it. And therefore, that church has split. Part of it wants to give in and and, and cater to that, and and others want to stay more traditional. Praise the Lord for those who are holding to their guns. The split had to occur. But folks, do you see what is happening? So few are contending for the faith. So much compromise. It's time we stand up. It's time we take this seriously. You know as well as I do, everything is There's a lot of crumbling around us. Now, there's no need to be discouraged in the sense of being despondent. I'm discouraged, but it it brings me to my knees, and it brings me into prayer, and it ought to you as well. Don't be afraid. What have you got to be afraid of? They ought to be afraid of you because of the truth that is in you. And actually, they are afraid of you. The truth has set you free, and some people don't want to be free. Sometimes it takes them to hit rock bottom before they finally look up and say, you know what, I've lost everything. I've lost my health. I've lost my job. I've lost my marriage. My kids have abandoned me. Nobody wants me. I'm just completely on the rocks. And usually and only then will somebody look up and say, you know what, I'm doing this all wrong. (laughs) But sometimes it takes those hard things. Now, don't get me wrong, any church should allow anyone who is gay to come into the church if they desire to be born again and to change. No church should turn anyone away who's seeking the truth, no matter what they are, no matter who they are. They should be welcomed in the church, and we ought to embrace them. Not embrace them in their sin, but embrace them as they are changing and encouraging them to change, as we all are as well. Amen? But to put a, 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 a gay minister in the pulpit is like putting a blind man in the cockpit of a 747 filled with people and no instruments, no autopilot to flip a button. That's what it's like, the blind leading the blind. And what did Jesus say? Both will fall into the ditch. And so, do we need to contend for the faith? Yes, we do. And this is hard. I understand that. In Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, Jesus gave a letter to John uh, to the, the church at Laodicea. And this is called the lukewarm church. And, the angel of the, uh, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And here is his message to them. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And here's the remedy. I counsel you. To buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Remember, God chastens those whom he loves. And chastening is with instruction. It's not just to pound on you because you've done something wrong. No, chastening has, there's a, there's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is instruction. It may be difficult, it may not be pleasant, but the idea is to instruct you so that you don't do it again. And we need that instruction, don't we? I need to be chastened. Otherwise, I'm going to be living a life that is completely abandoned to the flesh. When your kids are young, you tell them, Honey, don't touch that glowing circle on top of the stove. 
You tell them that, and they invariably will touch it. But they learn. Unfortunately, they learn the hard way. And see, we need to learn. We need to listen to the Lord. We need to listen and obey. Listen and obey God's word. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Turn the direction of your life. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. Why does he even have to knock? Aren't you welcome, Lord? You're welcome in this place. May it always be true that Jesus could walk in any time here and feel very comfortable with what is being shared and all of our love toward him and toward each other. May that be the case for us. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We're going to be getting into Revelation in a couple weeks. And we'll be getting into this letter. But make your calling and your election sure. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. In Second Peter chapter 1, Peter exhorts us. He says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. I shared this last week. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you can read that in context from chapter or verses 5 down through 11. But if you, if you lack boldness, there's no need to be discouraged. It is, uh, and, and because if we do lack the boldness, if we, are, if we are not filled with the Spirit of God, chances are we won't contend for the faith. That's why the filling of the Spirit of God is so necessary. And unfortunately, we've seen so many aberrations in the church that everyone is afraid of it. And for good reason. There have been uh, churches that have, that have showed people supposedly filled by, with the Spirit, and they're running around clucking like chickens, slithering on the floor like a snake, barking like dogs, flapping their, their arms like wings like they got wings, acting like the lower creatures that God has created. But why does God say, you're my poema, you're my masterpiece? Would he call, do you see, any, do you see any, any part in the book of Acts, anywhere, anywhere in the Bible where that's really promoted by any of the disciples? There's nothing. There's nothing. But filled with the Spirit of God is something beautiful. And when it comes, when he comes upon the person and fills that person there is true peace, there's unity, there's love, there's compassion, there's all those fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians. All those things are happening. And you like to be around that person. You're like, man, they are just the most gracious person. See, some people have this funny uh, idea that being filled with the Spirit means, you, you're, means you're the type of person that's really stringent and full of rules. And it looks like you've been sucking on lemons all day. And your mouth is puckered up. Lousy sinner. You know, have you seen people like that? I have. Are they fun to be around? No. I'd rather hang out with a murderer. And yet God calls us to a greater, greater place. Are you willing to take that challenge? Are you willing to say, Lord, make it a prayer every day of your life. And let God do what he's going to do. Don't even worry about it. Just be open. Say, Lord, I need you. I need everything you have for me. Please fill me today. Fill me to overflowing. May I learn how to be gracious. May I learn how to love. Lord, teach me. Cleanse me. Heal me, Father. Change my heart and my mind. 
But we need to contend for the faith. I recently received an email from Jay Seculo from the American Center for Law and Justice, or known as the ACLJ. And let me just read to you what it says. And and again, these are things that you probably read yourself. You might even have got the same email. It says, For years, our brave men and women in the military have been able to choose to select dog tags from a faith-based company that inscribes Bible verses on them. Scriptures like Joshua 1. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Jude. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcasts. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.